0: the Lord this
1: I want to sing that that chorus again. I, I love that chorus. We haven't sung that chorus in a long time. And then I want here's what I want you to do. It says, "Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name." And then it says, "He has done great things. He has done great things. Bless His holy name." When we're finished singing that song, I want a few of you, as many as would like, I'd like you to just bless His name by telling us a few things that he has done for you. It doesn't have to be recent. doesn't have to be it, can be. it can be yesterday or it can be a year ago. But I just want to hear you bless the Lord in some of the things that he has done to bless him and encourage others. All right? Let's sing it together. Bless
0: the Lord. Hungry
1: or too much stress, and I am so grateful for that. Praise the Lord, Linda. <laughs> Amen. Now God is going to do a work in her life, Amen. Amen. Nita. I think I think Neil's I think Neil's showing Dr. Say hey, come here I'm gonna show you this. This is really cool. For those of you who um, yes, for those of you who weren't um, um, here, didn't know about yesterday, um, Keith and Debbie, um, Keith's son, Debbie's stepson, uh, Dr. Um, was in a was in a nursing home uh, here locally. He he was injured at birth, uh, had uh, cerebral palsy, had the cognitive, um, uh, about a year and a half, two-year-old, um, and uh, uh, was, was in a nursing home under nursing care for, for many years now. Um, lived much longer than he was in, he had in, was anticipated that he would. But Monday, Monday, he passed away very suddenly, and we had a memorial service here yesterday. He was 29 years old, had a memorial service here yesterday and uh, uh, just a celebration of his life and a celebration of, of, of the things that, how God used him in so many ways. So uh, would, I just want to let you know. Yes, Mr. Uh, Rice. Godliness with contentment is great gain, the word says. Yes, uh Joan. Amen. He sure is. Sue? So? Huh? That? Praise the Lord. I'm glad to see you. <laughs> Susan? Yes. Else? Linda? I to what the word says. He will restore the years the locusts have eaten. Bless God. Uh, you know what? You see, folks, this is, this is what being a part of the church is all about. It's blessing God, it's sharing with others. And you know what? You, suddenly we see, we see in what God has done. First, second Corinthians chapter one, and I', want to, I want to tell you something. You, you think about the Apostle Paul. When 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 I would mention the name the Apostle Paul, for those of you who have have read the Bible and have you know been involved, you would you would think of someone who is just very uh, this this powerful man who just could preach up a storm and was was just very bold and 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 accomplished a lot and 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 a lot of that is true but there is a there in first second corinthians chapter 1 paul gives us a glimpse into his what's going on in his life and he says that he was going through some things that were so intense that he despaired of life he despaired of life he says I don't know if it was worth going on. The Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote over half the New Testament. If you believe that he wrote the book of Hebrews, then he wrote over half of it. But he says here's the thing he goes the things that we go through that are hard, he says, we are comforted by the God of all comfort. He said, and then what happens is we turn around and we comfort those who are going through similar things that we went through with the same comfort that we were comforted with so so god prepares god prepares us and and i don't know why he chooses certain people to do things it, for because he's god and he knows everything and he he knows who can do what and who can stand what and who can deal with what and who is going to come through stronger he knows all those things and he He chooses those just like he chooses people to do other other things within the body of Christ Um, because he knows. And then he says, you're going to go through this and I'm going to use you to comfort other people who are going through the same thing with the same comfort I comforted you and got you through it. When I was talking to Keith and uh, on, uh, I I don't know if it was talking to Keith or if I was talking to one of the boys. and, And I said, you know, I can put my arm around you and I can comfort you and I can pray for you, but I cannot relate to what you're going through. I can't say, I know how you feel. Because I don't. I don't know what that, I don't know what that, incredible I don't know what that feels like do I know what it feels like to lose an elderly parent yes both of them I know that I know what that feels like so God God has put us in the body of Christ and allowed us to go through certain things so that we can be a comfort to others who are going to go through the same thing that's what it means to be a part of the church Nita Amen.
0: came up
1: Wow. Anybody else have something they want to say? And He did. He did. He got His new room that day. Amen. don't ever make light of your experiences they will they will can and they can be used okay they can be used to help others everybody finished anybody else want to say anything let's just pray for a moment father we thank you for each one that's here thank you for the words of of praise that have gone forward lord thank you for making us a part of the church the body part of the body of christ thank you lord for um for this moment where we can just bless your name and all the great things that you've done you have done great things bless your holy name and now as we look into your word father i just ask that you would Open our hearts and minds to hear what you have to say to us. May we go away from this place different, changed. Because we've been in your presence, because we've heard your word. And your word has done a work in our life. Through the spirit of God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Last week, we had a a mini-sermon but we had, but we had a, a good time with Peter being here and sharing with us the some of the things that are going on in the DR. We're going to pick up in chapter four of First Corinthians, um, but we're going to actually go into and get into chapter five and maybe even finish chapter five. Uh, we'll see how that um, how that goes. But um, we are we have been going through the the book of 1 Corinthians and. We, we are still in that, and we will continue to see the theme that's going on here, that Paul is talking about the impact that divisions have in the church. The impact where, where there are sides that are taken. The impact when, when someone says, well, I'm of this person, and then someone else says, well, I'm of that person. That there are no there's no room in the church for divisions because Jesus said a house divided against itself cannot stand. And so, we uh, uh, we talked a little bit last week about the fact that um, God is going to judge the motives of people, and. I'm going to pick up in chapter 4 here because I want us to see something is going on. Something is going on in the church in Corinth. There are people who are taking sides. And they they are so committed to their side that they begin to ignore some of the things that are going on. And in and through all of this, God's spirit is still working. There are still there are still the gifts of the spirit are still operational. But they are but they are getting out of hand in a sense because the people are becoming arrogant. The people are becoming puffed up. They are they are getting to the point where they think that they because of what they are seeing happen in their church that they are exempt from examining themselves and exempt from seeing some of the other things that are going on. Paul writes to that. And that's where we're going to get in to chapter 5. But before we do that, here's what he says. We're going to pick up and just read this verse or so that we ended with last week. Now, brothers, I have applied these things to myself and Apollos for your benefit, so that you may learn from us the meaning of the saying, do not go beyond what is written, and then you will not take pride in one man over against another. That's what was happening. They were taking pride against one man, saying, This, this guy's really something, and this guy over here, well, he's not so much, so I'm going to be for him. For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? There were those who were thinking that they were special because they had received something from God. Okay? When we get back into chapters 11, 12, 13, and 14, we're going to see Paul, Paul actually devotes a whole chapter in the Bible to explaining how we, how we should act with the spiritual gifts. Many people have taken that chapter, yanked it out of the Bible, and used it as a definition for love. We read it at weddings. We do all those sorts of things. There's nothing wrong with reading the chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians at a wedding or, or something, an anniversary or something else. But that's not why he wrote 13. He wrote 13 because there was a problem in 12, and there was a problem in 14. He wrote 13 to say, this is, how, this is how you act. This is your motivation. These people had received and were operating in the gifts of the Spirit, and they were becoming boastful. Look what I have. Look what I can do. Look what God is doing through me. And Paul says, what do you have that you didn't receive? And if you did receive it, why are you boasting as though you didn't? He goes on. He becomes a bit sarcastic. He says, already you have all you want. Already you've become rich. You have become kings and that without us. How I wish that you really had become kings so that we might be kings with you. You have have gone so much further than we could have ever taken you. Because look at you. Look what's happening in your midst. You become arrogant, he says a little bit later. For it seems to me, he says, that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession like men condemned to die in the arena. We've been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as men. You guys in Corinth, you have been lifted up. Look how God is working through you. You are so much better than everybody else. Why, you're even better than the apostles because look at us. Look at us apostles. It seems to me that God has put us apostles on display at the end of the procession and what he's referring to is in Roman times when men were condemned to die they were were often put at the end of the procession of gladiators that were going into the Colosseum in Rome to do battle. And the ones who were condemned to die were at the end of the procession. And the other gladiators would fight and they would do their thing and uh, they would, one would be victorious and they would be you know, praised and lauded. But at the end of the procession where those who were condemned, even if they won and they would only won when they killed the other person, They were held over to fight again and again and again until they died. They were condemned to die. And they were going to die. Either they were going to fight to stay alive for a while, but eventually someone better than them would come along and they too would suffer the same fate. He said, it seems to me that God's put us apostles on display at the end of the procession. We've been made a spectacle to the whole universe, to angels as well as men. For we are fools for Christ, but you, you, you are so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are strong. You are honored, we are dishonored. To this very hour we go hungry and thirsty. We are in rags, we are brutally treated. We are homeless, we work hard with our hands. When we are cursed, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure it. When we are slaughtered, we answer kindly. I'm sorry, when we are slandered, we answer kindly. Up to this moment we have become the scum of the earth, the refuse of the world. This is the apostles. He's trying to point out if this, why, why is God treating the apostles like this, but puffing up and lifting up and doing all these great things for the church in Corinth? To the point where those in Corinth are looking down their nose at the apostles. I'm not writing this to shame you, but to warn you, as my dear children, even though you have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your Father through the Gospel. I'm the one who came in here and preached the Gospel meekly, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the reason that you came to know Jesus Christ and you are even a part of the church is because God, by His grace, brought me in here. Therefore, I urge you to imitate me. For this reason, I'm sending to you Timothy My son whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord, he will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. I don't change what I say anywhere, and I don't change the way I live. Some of you have become arrogant, as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing, and then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what kind of power they have. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. What do you prefer? Shall I come to you with a whip or in love and with a gentle spirit? He said, I'm going to come. And he said, I'm going to find out just exactly how how much power you guys have. These guys who are, who are looking down on us and who are getting you guys all worked up. Now here's what was happening in the church in Corinth. And I'm just going to give you, can I just give you a disclaimer now for the, for the future next few weeks? For the, for the next few weeks, we're going to talk about some things. We're going to take some side roads. We're going, to take, we're going to go off on a couple of, not necessarily tangents, but we're going to talk about some things that a lot, of, a lot of pastors in their churches won't talk about. They'll ignore it. We're going to talk about them. You can find them in chapter 6. We're going to talk about some of those things. <coughs> I think the church needs to hear it. I think that you need to hear it because of the culture and the society that we live in. And I'm just gonna give you, I'm just gonna give you a heads up. There is going to be a Sunday or two where we're simply we're going to talk about human sexuality. It's in there. We need to hear it. Because our our world has taken what God created and made holy and pure, and they have polluted it and perverted it beyond beyond recognition. And I'm going to tell you there's a good way and there's a right way and there's a proper way, there's a godly way and there's a holy way. And I'm going to tell you we're going to talk about what that is and it will help you to see that what the world is doing is messed up. And God's way, as always, is the best. That's coming up in the next week or two. I don't exactly know when we'll hit that. But if I come into you and I tell you that, and you want to take some of your younger children out, you can take them out. Or you can have them sit and listen and actually learn what's true. It's up to you. But that's what we're going to talk about let's come back okay let's come back because here in chapter 5 he begins and here's what's happening these people have become so arrogant and so puffed up that they are ignoring sinfulness in their congregation in their church Paul says, you got a guy in your church that's doing things that even the heathen won't do. Now, we're talking about Corinth. We're talking about a city that boasted a thousand temple prostitutes as part of their worship. Sexuality was part of their worship. And they boasted a thousand temple prostitutes. And Paul says, in your church, there is something going on. It is reported that something's going on in your church that even the the heathen of Corinth wouldn't do. He said, it's actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you and of the kind that does not occur even among the pagans. A man has his father's wife. Now, whether or not that was the individual's own mother or whether it was his father's wife that he had discarded and the and the man picked up the woman that was discarded we don't know he doesn't tell us that it was an incestuous relationship albeit it was certainly one that even the pagans wouldn't do and Paul says and and you're proud he goes you're You're arrogant. You're puffed up. You think you are something. You think that you have arisen to a a spiritual level that is beyond everyone so that you can look down your nose at the apostles. He said, you're proud of this? You're tolerating it? He said, shouldn't you rather have been filled with grief and have put out of your fellowship the man who did this? Now, here's what happens. We're just going to talk for a minute. Here's what happens when you have sides. Okay? When you have sides. I'm with this guy over here. Not me. I'm with this guy over here. Here's what happens. This guy over here. This guy over here messes up, okay? He's the guy in the verse. He's doing doing things that even the pagans won't do. He's in the church. He's a leader in the church. He's doing something that even the pagans won't do. What happens? Well, the people that are on his side is, we can't lose this guy. He's our leader. Let's just turn our backs on it. Let's act like it's not happening. Let's just, let's just treat it as a, a faux pas. Okay? It's a mistake. He doesn't really mean it. He's not a bad guy. He's just going through a rough patch. The people over here... Huh. That's why we're not on your side. That's why we don't want to have anything to do with you. See what happens? The divisions get greater and greater and greater. Paul says, you're proud of this? He said, you you should have been filled with grief. See, the people on this side are happy that the guy on this side is messing up because it proves their point that they should be over here. Okay? So, as long as he's in place, it just strengthens the point that we ought to be for this guy over here and our side's best. He says, even though I am not physically present, I am with you in spirit and I have already passed judgment on the one who did this, just as if I were present. When you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus and I am with you in spirit and the power of our Lord Jesus is present, hand this man over to Satan so that the sinful nature may be destroyed and his spirit saved on the day of the Lord. Now, here's what I find interesting in this passage of Scripture. Because here's what I don't want to have happen. Here's what I don't think Paul wants to have happen. What Paul is looking at here is, and he goes on to say this, and and we'll get to it in just a moment. But the interesting part that I find here is that this sin is going on and has been going on for some time. Because remember, when we are the time frame that we're in, we're it, we're two thousand years ago. Okay. They didn't sit in church and go, "So and so's having an affair with his mother." There had the report had to be carried from there to somewhere else where Paul got wind of it. Then Paul had to write the letter, and then the letter had to, be, had to travel for weeks and weeks and finally get to the church where they read this letter. So this had been going on for a long time. And he says to them, when you are assembled in the name of our Lord Jesus, and I am with you in spirit, and the power of our Lord is present, Did you, did, you, did you get that? That even though there was an individual who was really, really messing up, the power of the Lord was still present in those who were still wanting to worship the Lord and who were His children. God was still doing things in their midst. God didn't pull out because one person was messed up. But that didn't give them an excuse to continue to condone what was going on. And here's where we run into this, the whole concept of what will we tolerate and what will we not tolerate? What will we condone and what will we not condone? We all have to come to that point in our lives. We were having a conversation in our, in our men's meeting one night, and we were talking about some of the things that are on television. Okay, some of the um, some of the specialty channels that are that are out there, and and there's things that are that are available. And, and, and the question was raised, and I will and I will raise it here. This is just an example, just as an example. My my wife and I were watching, uh, we were watching a show the other night on um, I don't remember what channel is. We don't have any of the special channels like HBO and things like that. We just we don't have any of those. We do have DirecTV. We have you know we have that but there was a show on, and I can't remember which one we were watching, but it was a, a regular cable channel. And they began to use language on that, on that show that y- you wouldn't expect to hear on a regular cable channel. I mean, I know regular television has, they use, they use certain, they use words that, you know, they didn't use years ago. But this was, she, go, she says to me, she goes, did you just hear that? And I said, I did. She goes, are, are they doing a preview on one of the specialty channels or something? I said, no. I said, this is a regular cable television. I mean, and they, I mean they, they dropped the big one, okay, a couple of times. Now, I, I go back, and I said, so here's the, here's the question that every one of us as God's people, we're just going to have to ask ourselves this question. Okay? And here it is. How, at what point, is, is, there, is there a line that you, that you have drawn? Okay? Is, is there a line that you have drawn where you say, if, if they cross over this line, I'm no longer going to, I'm no longer going to be a part of that. Can I, can I be more specific? You have a television. And, and, oh, Lord, help me. I, I'm, I am in no way telling you you shouldn't have a television. I'm, we're, not, we're not going there. We're not going back to that. We're not involved in that. We don't tell people who to, who to, what to do. We don't tell people what to do. I'm not telling you not to have a television. I'm just saying, if you have a television, what will, what will it take? Because I'm going to tell you this, it's going there. Okay. How long it takes to get there, I don't know. I don't know how long it's going to take to get there, but at some point in time, I'm going to turn the TV on and something's going to be on the TV and I'm going to say, I can't turn the TV on anymore as God's child and have this junk come into my living room. I'm going to have to get rid of it because that's all there is anymore. I don't know. See, I have to draw that line for myself, but so do you. You have to draw that line and say, I won't accept this. You, you, you understand what I'm saying? There, there has We all have to make that decision for ourselves. I can't make it for you. I can't tell you where that line is. Your line may be now. You may already have reached that line and man, I can't do that. I cannot turn that on. I can't watch it. Why? Because it's just full of garbage and stuff that I shouldn't be putting into my mind as a child of God. I'm just simply saying this to you. If the world continues to go like it is, we're all going to face that question. That's what was going on here. What are they going to tolerate? What are they going to allow to be in their life as a church before they step in and say, we can't do this. Paul says, I've already made up my mind about this guy. He needs to go. And the reason that he needs to go, he uses the The analogy here, he says, your boasting is not good. You're bragging about how spiritual you guys are, but you're tolerating this other stuff. And he said, the reason you can't tolerate it is because, he said, don't you know that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough? Don't you understand that if if you take some dough and you stick the yeast over in this little corner of the dough, that eventually you're going to find the yeast all the way over here in the other end because it's going to find its way through the dough. And he's exactly hes using this. He said, you may say that this is an isolated case, but the problem is this isolated case is going to eventually work its way into the fabric of your congregation and church. Why? Because if you tolerate this, what is the next thing that you will tolerate? Now, I'm not, I don't think Paul is suggesting, and I'm certainly not suggesting that we have the church censor committee organized where we begin to examine all of your lives to make sure that you're all falling in line and we're not tolerating anything that we shouldn't tolerate. But I can tell you this, that, when, that if, if something comes up and the Holy Spirit reveals something that is going to impact His church, That we have to, in, in love for the individual, and in love for the body of Christ, we have to deal with the problem when we find out about it. Why? Because if we tolerate one blatant sin, we will tolerate more blatant sins... And folks, that's part of what's going on in the church today, is people are listening to the world and what the world says is right and wrong instead of what the Word of God said is right and wrong. And when we talk about this stuff in the next couple of chapters, I'm going to I'm going to explain that. I'm going to explain to you what what God designed, and 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 why it's beautiful and perfect and wonderful and great and, and, and everything else, and then and it help you to see what the world has said, the problem is the church is going, well, you know, it's called the nudge. If you go to the Bible study on Wednesday nights, you'll know what the nudge is. The nudge is, Let's try something really radical and everybody throws up their arms and says, oh no, we can't do that. It's just like... Do you remember how upset we were a few years ago when gas prices were two bucks a gallon? And then they went up to almost four dollars a gallon it took them doubling before we got really angry and started to talk about it and then they kind of would fall back down and now they're back down to you know like a dollar 79 i went i went by a gas station one day a while ago it was $1.58, and the next day it was a dollar 79 it, dropped, it jumped 20 cents in one day Now when it starts going back up again and we get to to $4 and then it it goes over $4 and then we'll get real upset and fussy and it'll drop back down again, what happens? It's called the nudge. They're just nudging you a little bit. What will you tolerate? What will you live with? Whatever you'll live with, we'll back off a little bit, give you a little bit of a break and then we'll come back in and we'll raise it back up again and you'll fuss a little bit but we already will be 20 cents higher than we were the last time you got angry. It's called the nudge. Okay, and that's what happens. That's what happens with things like television, for instance. Please don't get me. You know, I'm not talking against television. But what happens is, I remember one. I remember as a kid, I there somebody used. We were watching a movie. My dad was watching a movie. This was back in the in the '60s. We were watching a movie, and, and somebody used the word hell. How many, times, how many times in a day would you hear that? You hear it on talk shows and hear it all the time. My dad heard the word hell used in that movie, and he was out of his chair. I've never seen my dad. My dad was a big man. I never saw him move so fast in his whole life. He didn't change the channel. He turned the TV off and said, that's it for the night. We're not listening to this junk. Remember Gone with the Wind? Frankly, my dear. And they were fined thousands of dollars for using and letting that word in the movie. Now, it's called The Nudge we just we just nudge you a little bit we'll get you all excited and then we'll back off and then we'll come back again and the next thing you know we're far past where we originally were that's what that's what will happen that's what happens when you don't live by a standard the standard of god the 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 yeast works its way through the whole batch. And Paul says, you gotta watch out for that. That was a roundabout way. Sorry, we went we were going from Sarasota to Braden and we went by Arcadia. Okay? We went out to Arcadia and then came back in. So he says, Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new batch without yeast, as you really are, for Christ our Passover Lamb has been sacrificed. Therefore, let us keep the festival, not with the old yeast, the yeast of malice and wickedness, but with bread, the bread without yeast, the bread of sincerity and truth. And of course, you know, in the Bible, the, the yeast represents sin. It is synonymous with sin. It doesn't mean it's sinful to have yeast in bread. It's just the Bible uses that analogy that uh, yeast uh, it uses the, the analogy of yeast being sin. I have written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Now here's a lesson from us. He said, I've written you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people, not at all meaning the people of this world who are immoral or the greedy and swindlers or idolaters, in that case, you would have to leave this world and you would have no relationship with them in order to share with them the gospel, which will change who they are. Don't get the idea that this is who I'm talking about. He said, I'm writing with, that you must not associate with anyone who calls himself a brother but is sexually immoral or greedy, an idolater or a slanderer, a drunkard or a swindler. With such a man, do not even eat. Are you hearing him? What he is saying here is, is that your association with this individual in the church is tacit approval that what they're doing and involved in is okay. And he says... Here's the problem. Folks, do you know how fast word travels when someone in the church messes up? Have we forgotten the 80s? Have we forgotten the Jim Bakers and the Jimmy Swaggerts and the, uh, the Ted Haggards and some of the others that have that have that have fallen very hard and very far? And I'm not, I'm not here to badmouth these guys. They, we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ and give an account for our actions in this body, whether good or bad. We're all going to stand before God. And who knows, I might be right next to Jimmy. I don't, you know. He's going to have to stand there and give an account, and so am I. We have got to live exemplary lives if we are going to be followers of Jesus. Because I'm going to tell you something, when we fail to live exemplary lives in in front of and before the world, it is Jesus who gets the black eye. It is Jesus that people look at and say, ah, what difference does it make whether you're a Christian or whether you're not? Folks, I want to tell you something. If we will live exemplary lives before the world, he said, I'm writing that you not associate with anyone who calls himself the brother. He said, I'm not telling you not to, not to associate with anybody that's, that's in the world. If we are followers of Jesus and we are following the teachings of Jesus and we are living our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can rub shoulders. I can tell you, you can rub shoulders with the unsaved and their dirt won't come off on you. It absolutely will not. And I say that because that's what the Pharisees thought. They couldn't rub shoulders with the... With the, with the riffraff. They couldn't rub shoulders with the Gentiles because the dirt would come off on them and then they would be defiled. You can rub shoulders with the world and you're not going to become defiled. Why? Because the Spirit of God lives within you. What's going to happen? Well, if you're living your life according to the Scriptures and Jesus is living His life out through you, He's going to rub off on them. Because, oh no, the Word says... Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Who would have thunk it? That actually what you have in you is greater than what the world has. It'll rub off on them instead of them rubbing off on you. How cool is that? I'm finished. Think about what I said today. Not, think about, think about the line. Think about the line that you will not cross. And the reason I'm saying that to you is is if you do not establish the line now, you will get nudged over it. you will get nudged over it. And then you'll be looking back at the line, wondering, how did I get here? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for our time in your word today. Lord, I I just pray that you will give us the strength as your people to see how easily it is to be taken beyond where we ever intended to go and this example that Paul gives us just simply shows us how how easily it can happen that no one is exempt no one is beyond having it happen to them if they are not careful. Lord, I pray for each person in this room today that we, that we will take a stand and say, I will go no further. I will not allow my mind. I will not allow my I will not allow anything beyond this point. If it goes beyond this point, I'm stepping away. I'm stepping back. I'm closing it off. In so many areas of our lives. Father, help us to pursue holiness without which no man shall see the Lord. Thank you for your Holy Spirit that dwells within us, that can constantly remind us of the things that grieve the Father, so that we can step away, we can step back, we can say no, I won't go there. I will love the Lord my God with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, and with all my strength. And in doing that, I simply do not want to displease Him or make Him unhappy in any way. And as we prepare to leave, Father, I just want to pray for the ministries of this church. I want to pray for the prison ministry, Lord, and the banquet that's coming up in just a couple of weeks. Pray, Lord, that uh, you will fill that place with generous people who who have a vision and and a heart to see ministry in prison. And, Lord, the budget will be met, ministry will go on, and lives will be touched. We pray for Love Serves. We thank you for the ministry there. We pray, Lord, for the upcoming missions trips. We pray that there will be those who will want to be a part of that And uh, Lord, we just continue to pray for the ministry of Love Serves as they coach pastors and lives are being transformed. For the ministry at the Transitional Center, Lord, we thank you. We continue to pray that not one girl would ever leave there without knowing Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We thank you for giving the opportunity to us to minister there in many different ways. We pray for our missionaries, for Chris Garris, for Todd and Shelley Marks. We just thank you, Lord, for their willingness to leave their their friends their families because they believe that the people they've been called to deserve to hear the message of Jesus. We thank you for the fruit that is coming out of that. And finally, Lord, we want to pray for our daycare, and we thank you for that ministry. thank you for our staff. We thank you for the lives that are being touched each day. You have been faithful with that ministry for many, many years, and we thank you for it. And now, Lord, I just pray that as we leave this place, we will be ever mindful that we represent the King, We are his ambassadors. May the Lord Jesus live his life out through us and may the world see what he's really like through us. In Jesus' name, amen.